Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's EUFY.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to your favorite boxing podcast. Today, we'll preview a stacked card for UFC 296. We're going to debate what comes next for two-weight world champion Devin Haney. And I speak to Jake Paul as the problem child returns to the ring this weekend. I'm Charlotte Daly. I'm Alex McCarthy. And this is The Hook. Yes, indeed, The Hook is back and we have yet another big fight week to discuss but we don't only do boxing on the hook we also talk UFC and the UFC 296 is the final pay-per-view of the year for the MMA company and there's massive British interest it might not be on British shores but Leon Edwards will be headlining the show defending his UFC welterweight title against Colby Covington we've got Paddy Pimlet we've also got the Irish interest with Ian Gary more on him and his ever-evolving situation later uh, but Charlotte, let's start with the champ. Uh, Leon really defied the odds when he first won the belt from Kamaru Usman. Many consider him the greatest, you know, 170 pounder in UFC history. You look at what he did in the rematch, though, that was decisive. Now comes the first real test. Covington has all the tricks to get inside his opponent's heads. You know, we can get into the character of Colby Covington. But he's just going to be irrepressible. He's going to grapple. He's going to try and get Edwards down. It is a real styles clash that we're going to see in this fight. And whether you like Colby Covington or not, this could be the toughest test that Edwards could face. Yeah, definitely. I think Covington um, is a really exciting competitor. I think he's built a lot of his brand um, on his fitness and his stamina. Um, I think his ability to wrestle is what could be challenging for Edwards. But I think it is important to note the fact that he is a lot older now. You know, he's 35 years old. Um, Not saying that's old in any stretch of the imagination, but um, that tactic of using that fitness, that grappling, that wrestling, is he going to be able to execute it as well now at this point in his career? It's the thing. He he really smothered. Jorge Masvidal when they met and I thought that was going to be uh, silly me I thought that was going to be all blood and thunder two rivals really going at it um bought the pay-per-view and ultimately what we got was Covington just trying to wrestle Masvidal and keep him down for the whole three rounds it wasn't the exciting war that we were promised and I think Covington has a habit of doing that he's he's not the greatest stand-up fighter he's not the worst but 
you know, Usman outstruck him. Usman is no clinical striker. Edwards proved that in the second outing. Edwards is a far, far better kickboxer than either of those two men, uh, Covington or Usman. I think if Edwards can stay on the outside and, and work Covington, then he'll he'll get the job done. He is the supreme striker. He did defend a lot of Usman's takedowns when they when they uh, met the second time. If he can do that, he has the bigger ability, in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that as a biased Brit, but um, I do believe that he is the superior fighter. But I do also think nine times out of ten, when it's grappler versus striker, the grappler makes things horrible and they have a habit of getting the job done. I really sincerely hope that is not the case here. Uh, Paddy Pimlet, also in action, heralded as like the next Conor McGregor in uh, in many ways, I think just because of how, you know, his personality more than anything else. But it is fair to say his career has kind of started the last couple of fights. Yeah, he's got the victories, but they weren't as emphatic or as impressive as he really needed at this point. Fighting a lightweight legend like Tony Ferguson on a five or six fight skid or not, this is a real shop window for Paddy Pimlet. Yeah, definitely. I think Paddy Pimlet has that star appeal, that attraction. You know, as you mentioned there, the the um, similarities to Conor McGregor when he was starting out. Um, but this will be a big test for Paddy. And I know um, Tony is on the decline, but this is Pimlet's first fight since picking up an ankle injury. Um in his win against Jared Gordon, which, you know, brought his kind of upward trajectory to that grinding halt. Um, I think this will be a test for the fact that Ferguson, okay, he's past his prime, but he's by far the most experienced and notable um, fighter that Paddy the Baddie um, has fought. So, of course, when there's experience that comes into play, um, that, that does give your opponent, I wouldn't say an advantage, but it gives them an element that perhaps he hasn't seen in the past. So um, I think it will be exciting. I do think that Paddy has to make a statement and I think he will make a statement. Um, you know, he has said in some press things in the build up to this that he's not that excited about the fight. He said that it's a lose-lose situation for him because he either wins it and everyone says, well, yeah, you should have won that or he loses it and everybody grills him for losing it. So um, we just have to hope that he is more excited about the bout than he is potentially putting on. He must be a glass half empty kind of guy, because I'm glass half full, let me tell you, Charlotte. And I think um, Tony Ferguson, yeah, yeah, he's lost six on the bounce. Before that, he had the longest winning streak in lightweight history. And everybody was pining to see him and Khabib. That was the banner fight at 135 pounds. It's, it's difficult to go from the stature that he had to where he is now. And it's tough for MMA fans to kind of see the decline for Tony Ferguson because he always was super unorthodox, you know, just a very out there character. And he's been training with David Goggins. Uh, Google that Google that name if you need to, um, which is uh, combined with Tony Ferguson's already weird training uh, scenarios just tells you all you need to know about what's going on there. But also Ferguson's got nothing to lose in many ways, right? Like he's still the big name. He still has all of the, you know, crossover appeal and the money. 
for Pimlet to get a win over him, whatever state he's in, is still the biggest name on his record. It still is the gateway to fighting some really top ranked fighters. Like that is the if he gets a victory over Ferguson, more people will take notice than at any other point in his career thus far, regardless of where Ferguson is. So I think uh it's there for Pimlet if he puts on a stunning show, which you know we'll get to what we're gonna bet later on, but I, I am certainly backing Paddy to go out there and do the business. Um because he really needs to. His his last couple of fights just haven't been there. He's admitted that. Uh he needs to put on a show here to, to close out the year. Let let's talk about Ian Gary as well, by the way. Um there's a lot to unpack with Ian Gary. There is a lot to unpack. Let's talk about the fighter first. Very, very exciting prospect coming out of Ireland, uh operating in the welterweight division. You have to say thus far in his UFC career, he's been really impressive. He's been unbeaten. Um, you know, he's 13 and 0 overall. I think he's like 6 and 0 in the UFC. Um, and, and the, the level of competition that he's been beating, Neil Magny last time out is, you know, he's been a highly ranked fighter down the years. Uh, he is making the right progress. Vincent Luque at 296 represents a similar thing in the sense that he has been a highly ranked fighter and is another good step if Ian Gary is going to cross over and become the top fighter. He is rangy. Uh, like he's a very, a six foot three for a welterweight is, is a big welterweight. He, he's very rangy with his kicks and manages the distance incredibly well, has good, uh, sharp kind of an arsenal of shots. He's not, he's not basic. He puts stuff together very well. Um, for all the kind of detractors around Ian Gary in the last couple of weeks, which we will get into the fighter, without a doubt, is the best thing to come out of Ireland since Conor McGregor in the world of MMA. And he has all of the tools to be a title contender in the years to come. We have to remember, he's only 26, right? He's just turned 26. Uh, on paper, Charlotte, he's, he has got all the tools. And, and really, this should be a coming out party for him. He's already 10th in the welterweight, rank, in the welterweight rankings, which is easy for me to say. Um, but you know, if he if he takes a real step forward here, the the nickname the future might be the present. <laughs> yeah, well, a win would certainly um, propel him closer to the welterweights um, top five. But you know, at the moment, he's nowhere near that title shot. Um, I think he is exciting, and as you said, he's only twenty six. He's coming into his kind of prime years now for fighting. That we're only going to see an improvement in, in him. I think, you know, 28 is sort of when he's going to start really peaking. And I think that's when we're going to see the best from him. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think it is really exciting. I think there's a lot to come from him. I think, you know, especially with Ireland and the connections with Conor McGregor and stuff like that, there's um, an, an excitement, another buzz around a character like this. So, um we just need to see whether he lives up to the bill. I know um, Leon Edwards doesn't think he will. Um, you know, he says that obviously the future is his nickname. He doesn't see anything in the future about him um, and that he has uh, nothing to worry about. Well, well, we'll move on to that in a second. Um, what I will say for Gary is at six foot three, you know, lest we remember, lest we forget, John Jones is six four. Uh, Israel Adesanya is six four. Like, my point being that Gary could move through the gears as his career goes on. He could go to middleweight. 
he could even make it up to like heavyweight and be, you know, he could really move through the gears if he packed on the muscle and did the did the required work. Um, he could be a multi-divisional fighter. He certainly can't go down, I'll tell you that. Um, so, you know, he's massive compared to Conor McGregor, so don't get those ideas. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, let, let's get into that drama quick, right? Leon and Ian are on the same card here in Las Vegas, which I should note, by the way, Mail, Mail Online's own, Mail Sports' own Will Griffey is going to be in Las Vegas this week, getting all of the dirt, getting all of the news for us uh, for next week's episode. But Gary was kicked out of Edwards Gym in Birmingham. Now, there are conflicting stories as to why. Uh, you know, you'd imagine that. I mean, uh, Gary, there's talk of people being knocked out and not being happy about it. and Gary is certainly suggesting that they were threatened by his ability. Uh, Edwards says that he didn't subscribe to the gym rules, essentially. You know, um, you know, this is not verbatim. We're paraphrasing here. But, you know, Leon Edwards is the world champion, but he'll still be expected to clean up, right, and, and do some of the drills. Gary did not want to do those. That's what Leon Edwards told Rio. Um, every, you know, Paddy has weighed in as well, also on this card, saying that Gary got knocked about in the gym. Um, it's the truth's probably somewhere in the middle, Charlotte. I don't, I don't know. We weren't there. Um, but it does make it a bit tantalizing because they obviously are well to wait, well to wait rivals now in the top 10. Edwards being the champion, Gary being at 10. They're really not too distant dance partners. Um, it's it does kind of set up a classic when you look at the background. UFC do have a habit of trying to capitalize on stuff like this, i.e. Masvidal and Covington. Yeah, I mean, it brings a good narrative to UFC, right? They're going to try and play on that as much as possible to build up a potential fight with them in the future, pardon the pun. Um, But obviously, that whole situation you spoke there about the gym culture, and, you know, I read things that said that um, Leon Edwards, um, yeah, Edwards was was annoyed about the fact that... um, he was bringing his wife into the gym all the time, that he was bringing cameras in with him. He was late to sessions. Like there was a lot going on. I don't blame him for being frustrated about that. Like I would be annoyed if I was an athlete in the gym, training my ass off to make sure I got to where I wanted to be. And other people were coming in, messing about, not being on time, not sticking to the rules of the gym. I'd be furious with that. Of course I would. Your actions are then having an implication on my training. So I don't blame him. I'm actually team Leon Edwards in this situation because um, I would feel exactly the same in that situation. But I think you're right that UFC will now try and capitalise on this and build it into a narrative that is going to sell tickets and get bums on seats when eventually in the future they might face each other. All Gary's got to do is win, right? That's all he's got to do. Because Leon, I mean, he can win and keep the title and that matchup becomes bigger. But even if he loses and slides a couple, he can fight Gary and it's a big fight just because they can build that narrative in. So uh, it's super interesting, though. I'm glad you bring up Gary's wife. Um, so uh, not that there's anything wrong with this. She is 40 and obviously Gary is 26. The only thing, uh, reason I bring that up is that she was previously married to Gary's nutritionist, um, which is an interesting. And obviously, Sean Strickland, the UFC middleweight champion, had suggested 
that the nutritionist lives with Gary and his wife. That is the most bizarre situation I've ever had. Gary and and his wife have denied that at this point. Um, it's worth noting, and but she did also publish a book many years ago called How to Be a Wag. Right, basically how to grab a superstar sport husband. Um, I think it was only 12 pages long, and she has since said that it was a bit of a joke. Um, but, you know, ironic that you do go on to actually marry an athlete and post book. Uh, you know, I think, just when you I thought think the narrative couldn't get any more complex. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, it's... It, Basically, Strickland was the one who kind of brought this all together and 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 shone a light on it, and and obviously Gary and his wife have been taking it from all angles ever since. Gary actually over the weekend said that he was kind of worried about travelling to America for this card, you know, worry about the safety for his family, such as the scrutiny that they've been under, and that must not be nice. Um, it you really want to be talking about the fighters, right, rather than whatever their private lives might be. And at the end of the day, that that's what it is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, again, talking as if we were athletes here, how frustrating would it be trying to train for a big fight and having all the chaos in the background? But that's why I think that things like bringing your wife into the gym or, you know, creating those headlines, you've only really got yourself to blame. And I'm not saying that you can't bring your wife into the gym. Of course, you want your family and friends around you at certain points, but you have to be conscious of what the rules are of the gym and not create those additional headlines that you just don't need in the build-up to a fight week. Speaking of UFC 296, it's probably time where we put our money where our mouth is. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Devin Haney, Charlotte, he put in a performance at the weekend, uh, 31-0 now, multi-weight champion. Uh, This was, I'm going to let you break it down, this was the very definition of a shout-out. Yeah, I mean, it was an exceptional, mature performance, total one-sided domination from Haney. Um, The fact that he's now a two-weight world champion and he's only just turned 25 is sensational um but Regis only landed 36 punches on Devin Haney that's according to you know the punch stats meaning that he has broken Edwin De De Los Santos's record um for the lowest number of punches to be landed in 12 round fight ever that is not a record you want to be breaking (laughs) I mean mean, he's just an absurd fighter in in the set He, he can do everything he's explosive his reflexes are razor sharp his footwork is incredible um you know there was obviously long discussions about 
that kind of bracket of fighters that came up like Tank and Haney and um, Shakur Stevenson, et cetera, et cetera. There, there, there is a lot banding around those weights. I think it's undeniable that Haney might be the one. And a lot of boxing purists have said that for a while. He does have a bit of everything. You just said, you just said it there. At 25, he's a multi-weight world champion. Obviously, he was undisputed at, uh, at lightweight. Has beaten Kambosis, has beaten Lomachenko, has got rid of Regis Progre, uh, Gamboa as well earlier in his career. Yours, Linares. That is outrageous at <laughs> 25 to that cv you know I, I, i'm don't get me wrong i'm a huge shakur stevenson fan um but i guess the stuff that he said about haney's cv and um you know all of the stuff that he's done thus far ah i find that a, a tough one to swallow now well even like we were all kind of thinking how was um devin haney gonna start the fight on the weekend right we were wondering whether it was his first fight at the weight after vacating the undisputed lightweight crown um so i was considering whether he would come and feel it out see see how he was getting on but he made such a strong start and like that straight right hand in the third round um to knock regis down was so good you know regis obviously got back up um, but he was repeatedly caught, you know, leading to that cut on his nose. I thought that they were going to throw the towel in. I was convinced it was going to happen. They didn't. And then Haney just controlled the remainder of the fight, like more good work in the ninth in particular. Um, I just think he he was special that night. And the way that he controlled and dominated the fight without rushing his work, I think, was a particular point that, you know, once um, Regis went down in the third round, I thought that now he might try rush his work and end up losing control of the fight. But he was so mature in his performance to maintain that standard and just grind out a fantastic win. You know what's the the strange thing to think about from this? Now, I, I am somebody who, who wants Stevenson and Haney at some point. I realise that Haney's probably going to operate at the super level for a while. And obviously he's only just got up to lightweight Stevenson. So there's, we're not going to get it in the next year or two, probably Stevenson's debut at that weight, lackluster, right? Sluggish was not his best. Haney almost to make a point. I, I would argue absolutely electric. Um, has that maybe detracted from the allure of that fight? I don't think so. I think I think we still definitely want to see it. Um, I think it will be an exciting fight no matter what. I think the back and forth between the two of them has made that an ex- exciting fight that everybody wants to see. Now, obviously, um, Haney has already got a mandatory challenger in Martin. He's also expected to kind of explore fights with Lopez and Garcia. Um, Connor Ben has even called out Haney. I think that card is that fight is on the cards. You know, even promoter Eddie Hearn has been saying that Connor Ben will fight in February no matter what. So they're saying maybe they look at Haney instead. I think that's very unlikely, um, considering considering the fact the American has kind of made it clear he intends to tackle the welterweight division in the future, but he's unlikely to move straight there after only, you know, one fight at super lightweight. Um but yeah, I think there's a lot happen. of let me, options. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just jump in and say it won't happen. <laughs> well, it definitely won't happen in February. I think Not next. Yeah, Not next. it will be a fight I think we could see, but it definitely won't be happening next. But 
Devin, Devin Haney is not short of options. So um, I think it will be exciting to see kind of what his next two, three fights are. They've been talking about they want Tank, right? Javonta Davis. That that that's the again that is the mega fight to make. You know how easy that is to make is disputable, but you, know, you might have seen clips banging around on social media of Haney talking about how uh, there were bets made when they were sparring in the gym, and he was the one who came out on top. He stopped short of saying that you know he knocked him out and stuff like that, but he certainly implies that he took him to task in the gym uh, at Floyd Mayweather's behest. Um, again, Josh Taylor's floating around those kind of weights. It's you know, Tia Lopez. They're talking about, I mean, Bill Haney was saying they made, an, basically on the night, made an offer to Sabriel uh, Matias for a unification fight. Uh, would you know To make him a unified champion of that weight, he, he's the IBF champion. Um, and apparently he said that Matias had demanded four million, which actually Matthias has denied. Um, so I, I again, the, one thing I will say for Haney, you look at his record, he is looking for the biggest fights that he can get, right? So I have full faith that all of the names that we've just run through, it won't be Devin Haney that stops those fights from happening. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think. You're 25 years old. You're calling out some of the biggest people. You're taking on some of the biggest people. I think it's exciting. And it's what boxing needs is people that are willing to fight the best. And I don't think he's somebody who's scared of losing his O and protecting his O. I think he just wants to be in the biggest fights to prove that he is what he believes is is the best out there. Well, from the absolute pinnacle of the sport to a man who is dying to get to the pinnacle of the sport. That is Jake Paul. He is in action this weekend against Andre August. But speaking to me recently, uh, thoughts of him fighting Conor McGregor are never too far away. I'm not really focused on it just because, like, he's not his own boss. So even if he wanted to make it happen, he's got to ask for his dad, Dana's permission. And that's just not you know, something that Dana's probably going to let happen. Look what I've done to the rest of their roster and their legends. Um, mm. I'm, I'm making the company look bad and only getting better with my craft. And I, I don't think, I don't think Connor wants that. Right. Nate Diaz and him standing up going blow for blow. Uh, meanwhile, I dismantle Nate Diaz with ease. He punches like pillows and, oh. Um, you know, was able to hurt Connor. I, I don't know how in the world those punches could hurt anybody, but uh, I'm just on a different level and he's going down and I'm going up. So at this point, he needs me uh, to, to make a big money fight. I'm more focused on becoming a world champion in the sport of boxing. Do you think that's what it was originally that Connor, Connor underestimated the star power like a couple of years ago when you were first interested? For sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I think uh, along with other people, uh, I think they thought it was mostly talk and that the fight wasn't going to back it up. And then Ben Askren, Tyron Woodley, Silva, all everyone ends up on the canvas. They start to, you know, second guess themselves. Um, 
But he he really doesn't want that. I'm, I promise you, man. I promise you he's going to stay far away from me. I, I see a world where he fights, you know, like a lower level influencer skill set than me just to make make some money. Jake Paul there speaking to us on The Hook. You can also catch that online. Uh, Charlotte. He might be trying to make his way in boxing legitimately, right? Trying to make his way against actual professionals, get a ranking. You can't tell me he still wouldn't fight Conor McGregor if the opportunity presented itself. I think he would fight Conor McGregor, but I wouldn't want him to fight Conor McGregor because um, I think he's going down this path now and he said it there about he wants to eventually put himself in a position where he'd be ready for a world title shot or something like that. If he wants to be a professional boxer and he wants to go down that route, he can't keep dipping his toe back into that crossover world or not saying Conor McGregor is an influencer, but, you know, taking on influencers again. He's made it abundantly clear that he wants to be away from misfits, for example, that I just think it would be one step back for him in terms of his long-term goals for boxing if he was to take on McGregor. Now, obviously that fight would be interesting. You know, I'm sure it would have an amazing build-up with the two characters um, of Conor McGregor and Jake Paul. There's no doubt about that. They both have the stardom. They'll sell tickets, everything like that. But I think for Jake Paul and his long-term goals, I think it would be a shame for him to take that fight. I don't think Jay Paul will be a world champion in boxing. Neither do I. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah, you want to be legitimate, but how far is that really going to take him? I think there will come a point where the best thing for him will be fighting Conor McGregor or someone like that. And I also think Conor's a world away from misfits, right? That's not like fighting KSI or, or you know, or anyone else. So, uh, and also if you're Jake Paul, he's got all the advantages over Conor. He's massive. I mean, I know Conor has got massive, but he's still five foot eight or whatever he is. And, you know, Jake Paul's like north of six foot. I think, um, you know, if I was Jake, I would fancy myself in, in that encounter, even though, you know, Conor, I think is an, is an underrated boxer compared to what people think. He's obviously got great hands in MMA, um, but he was able to touch... He was able to touch Mayweather. I mean, held his own, I guess. Is you know as 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 much as Mayweather <laughs> let him. Maybe I don't know, but he, he was actually he was able to touch Mayweather. There's no doubt about that. He 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 didn't look, you know, an absolute amateur. Um, and I think him and Jake Paul would generate a lot of interest. When Jake Paul first started calling out Connor, Connor was years ahead, right? Like he was still fighting Dustin Poirier. He was at the top of his game. His star power was still big. It wasn't like the worst thing in the world that he'd lost to Khabib. Now that he's got, you know, three losses in a row, he's had a broken leg, he's only just coming back into UFC. I think it's, people are starting to believe it's more feasible that Jake Paul will eventually fight Conor McGregor. But then, well, for me, that comes down to then, okay, we've said there that Jake doesn't, well, we don't think that Jake could be a world champion, so he should take this fight, right? If he genuinely believes he can then why would he take the fight? Do you know what I mean? So it, 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 I'm thinking from his perspective that if he think, if he genuinely thinks he can be a world champion, don't do it. And if you take that fight, that signals to me, you don't believe that you will actually be a world champion. 
I, I think you could take a sabbatical for that fight. <laughs> if that fight was not there, right, the the sheer money involved, I think you could take a sabbatical for it. I, I sure as hell would. He's got enough money. He's got, you know, him and his brother have a combined reported income or net worth of 55 million. Charlotte, nobody has too much money in this game. Have you not learned this yet? Maybe I'm just thinking with, you know, the athlete mindset that, yeah, okay, you've got money. He's got so many sources of income, right? And he can make money in any way that he wants. We've seen that from his rise from YouTube to stardom. If you really are committed to this path of being a boxer, be committed and do it. And I'm sorry, I know it's a big payday for Conor McGregor, but if he's genuinely committed, be committed. December 23rd is coming, Charlotte. It is on the horizon. Your flight to Saudi Arabia is lined up. Enjoy your Saudi Christmas. Uh, AJ also Valin is around the corner. Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker around the corner. Uh, let's start with our chat with Otto Valin as it goes, actually. Uh, I caught up with him last week uh, as obviously the card is looming. He has not held back on what he thinks about Anthony Joshua and the is it the right time to face AJ? You better believe Otto Wallen believes it is. I would still say that he's one of the best heavyweights out there. And he's had an amazing career. He's done really well for himself. But I think there, there's been a decline. And I think he's reached his peak already. And I think that he's he's mentally uh, fragile. He's not sure of himself. He's got a new trainer again. And I think that things are can be very tough for him. People are very critical of him. He's got a lot of pressure. So I think that weighs on him. Talk to me a little bit about that, the trainer. Like for you and yourself, do you have a very sort of stable, you've, you've had it for years, is it that sort of thing. And then you look at AJ, what does that tell you that he keeps changing trainers? Is he searching for that right fit and he probably hasn't found it yet? Yeah, I think it's a problem for him, for sure. I mean, I have my trainer now for 10 years and we know each other really well we trust each other in and out the ring he's been with me all of my pro fights except two so it's really been a good journey together and and it's fantastic we get this uh, chance now and we can prove everyone what we've been working on and then for joshua yes it's hard when you when you keep changing trainers it's usually a bad sign and i think it's a bad sign for him too yeah do you think it's a you know, you say about there's been a decline and stuff, and we've obviously seen his last two fights. Haven't you know Franklin and Hellenius? Not the, you know, he got the wins, but maybe not in the most emphatic ways. I know he knocked out Hellenius, but it was, you know, fairly slow going before he got to that point. Um, do you think that's a different Anthony Joshua to the one that rose to the heavyweight crown? Is this a good time to face AJ? I think it's the perfect time to face AJ now. He was a seeking destroyer kind of guy. He was very aggressive. But I think it all comes from that he, when he first started, he had a short energy career. He was knocking people out, turned pro, knocking everybody out, knocking clicks go out. And I think at that time, he had felt invincible pretty much. And then he lost to Reese. He got stopped. He's lost to Usyk twice. And I think that he knows now that he's vulnerable, that he, of course, he knows that he can lose and he can get hurt. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like getting hit, get being hurt. So he cares a lot about what people think of him. And and I think that it's hard for him when people are being critical or they might come there might be some boost in the crowd. I think that's really hard for him. 
One thing I really like about when I've watched your fights is that you are someone who will put the pressure on. You do go at your opponent. You don't, you don't, you're often, you're not often found waiting or wanting. Is that kind of the plan for AJ to put him under pressure to see what he's got? How does he cope? I think that uh, tribute to my trainer, actually, Joey, when I first came, I was a, I was a good boxer. Uh, my, I had a pretty much amateur European style trying to box, stay on the outside. We didn't work much on the inside. But then I've been with Joey now for 10 years, and every day we're working on the inside, working on the outside, of course, too. But he's he's really made me a complete fighter. And he, Joey's a very good trainer. He's a smart guy. And he has, he has just worked with me on all my game and different tools. And, and it's just been unbelievable. So I'm just so happy that we, we get this chance now. But... For for this fight, uh, I mean, I can't give away too much, but I think, like we said, good timing. Everything's coming together for me now. I have great momentum from my last fight. And now it's just go out there, have fun. I feel like I have no pressure. So I'm just going to do my thing, get the win, and then I'll be on top of the world, celebrate the New Year's and Christmas in style. Otto Valent talking to us on The Hook. You can find that on our Mail Sport Boxing YouTube channel this week and you'll find the lines on Mail Online. Uh, Charlotte, again, he's kind of attacking AJ for where he's at in his career and his mental state, which has obviously been discussed a lot. Put himself in a blacked out cabin with his own thoughts not so long ago. Um, And people have seen a different demeanor from him at the presser and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, does Otto Wallin have some points and some merits to what he's saying? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, I think to say that um, you're going to get a mentally weak AJ on fight night or fight week, I just don't believe that. Um, I just think AJ is in a different space in his life that he is blocking out the noise that comes around fight week. Whereas back in the day, you would see AJ loving the media, loving the attention, chatting to the fans, you know, with all the kids at an open workout or things like that. I just think we have a different version of AJ. I have no doubt he's going to turn up to that fight night, focused, determined, confident as well. Um, This is a big fight for him. There's a lot on the line for AJ. So of course he's going to take it seriously and have done the preparation that he needs to do. I think um, Otto Valen's got points about the constant change in trainer, although I have previously said that I think it's a good matchup for this December 23rd fight. Um, that instability um, around the team that you have with you, I do believe he's got a point in that. I think if you've got a team that you've worked with for 10 years um, and they know what makes you tick, they know how to get the best out of you, they know your style, they know what to say to you in the corner when things potentially aren't going your way, um, I think that does uh, benefit you. But I don't think the change of trainer for this fight is going to be the reason that AJ loses or Otto Valen manages to beat him. Um, I think that's a little far-fetched. I I still very much believe in AJ, personally. I still think he's got it in the tank. I think what you said about him being in a different headspace is very accurate. He's just matured and is seeing things from a different vantage point after being a two-time world champion now in his 30s. It is different. I think what we said earlier about Paddy Pimlet and Tony Ferguson applies here too. If I was Otto Valin, 
I would be looking at AJ and thinking he's there to be got. His last two performances have not been good, despite the results. And he's coming off of two losses before that to Usyk, which there is no shame losing to. But Vali makes a good point that thinking you're invincible and then suffering, you know, finding a mountain you can't climb, it does do a lot to a fighter. So again, you can see it from two different ways. Like AJ will be looking at this as like, okay, this is the, the toughest test he's had since Usyk and would be a good gateway to bigger fights. Uh, and it would be a good win to get. But if you are Otto Valin, you definitely are looking at this fight and saying, this is my best chance at cracking the very top of the heavyweight division. Because Usyk and Fury, on paper, would look a lot harder to someone like Otto Valin than someone like AJ in this current state. Yeah, this is his golden ticket in. I mean, I think Eddie Hearn has actually used that phrase as golden ticket. Um, and there is no doubt about that. I think Otto Vallen will take a lot of confidence from his fight with Tyson Fury. I think the fact that he pushed him right until the end, he, you know, cut his eye open 47 stitches later. He still talks about that fight as his biggest win, even though he didn't win the fight. So I think he will think if I can push Tyson Fury like that and in his eyes win the fight before that 12th round, um, he will feel confident against AJ considering he believes this is a lesser AJ than the AJ he thought he was going to fight a little while ago. Yeah, well, yeah, the one he was clamoring to fight either last year or the year before as well. Um, I mean, look, I, I kind of said it within the, within the interview there. I think Valin has a pressure style. He won't let AJ settle into a rhythm. What do you think AJ has to fear from Otto Valin? Um, you know, one of the main things has to be Valin's kind of belief at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you were mentioning there, he is relentless. He is somebody that is going to make you work throughout. But AJ has experience of fighting Southpaws. He has experience of fighting people that are relentless. Just take Usyk, for example. He is somebody that will not let you have a minute to think, breathe, move without feeling pressure. So even though that didn't end well for AJ, he has the experience of knowing what that is like. And I think that will benefit him going into this fight. Now, Usyk is just... He's a sensational fighter um, and I don't think there's any shame in losing to Usyk. And I think if you look at the difference and the improvement from AJ from the first fight with Usyk to the second fight, he showed a lot of improvement. So I think if he can take those learnings from the first fight, from the second fight and implement them against Otto Wallen, I think he'll do very well. Let's make some predictions right quick on this uh, I, I am back in aj i will always back aj for the records <laughs> but i am back in aj here um i don't know if he stopped valin i i hope he does to to make an emphatic statement but valin is not easily stopped as tyson fury learn um i think joshua would win on points but i do think he's going to win yeah i also think joshua will, will win um everything Everything about it for me is screaming a points victory. I would say, though, um, it has been exciting watching AJ on the pads in um, training videos that have surfaced on social media. And I know everyone posts the best videos, so you can't take much from it. But he's showing a lot of power um, that we potentially haven't seen um, for his last two fights. As you said there, Robert Hellenius and Jermaine Franklin 
we haven't seen that power, even though AJ did get the knockout against Hellenius. If he can bring that to the ring in Saudi Arabia, I'm I'm excited. Um, but we just need to see him let his hands go a little bit more without the worry for the repercussions. I think Ben Davidson is going to be good for AJ. I know we've had a lot of training discussion, but I do think he will be good for him. And I think uh, in best case scenario for me and where I'll probably be laying my money next week is you might get like a Kubrat Pulev situation where AJ comes on strong and finishes him late. That is my hope for AJ. Uh, Whether it happens or not does remain to be seen. Okay, well, once again, that is all we have time for today. Jam-packed show, plenty more to come next week. You know, we are sponsored by Paddy Power, so please remember to download the Mail Plus app for lots of extra content and check out Mail Online for all the latest breaking news stories. As usual, you can get the full interviews that you hear on The Hook and the features with the stars from the fighting world. Head to Mail Sport Boxing YouTube channel and you can get the clips from our social channels. But most of all, don't forget to rate and review us on whatever platform you get your podcast from and come back next and every Tuesday. I'm Alex McCarthy. I'm Charlotte Daly. And this is The Hook.